Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle. I'm a singer that hails from the deep swamps of Louisiana. I ventured my way up to Nashville to take the risk of jumping in on the pipe dream of singing on stages other than the ones I grew up seeing. Along this journey, I wrote a song called You Say, and what came next absolutely changed my life. I found myself in tour buses, singing on stages all over the world, and every single night I would get asked the question, what would Lauren Daigle be doing if she hadn't pursued music? Well, this season of Daigle Bites is answering just that, and I'm bringing you along with me on this adventure. I'm inviting new friends that I've just met and old friends that I've known for a long time to come and explore what it is like to pursue their passions. I know that they've inspired me, and I'm sure that they will probably do the exact same thing for you. So my absolute hope is that as you're sitting and you're listening, you then too can be inspired. You then too can ask the question, what is it that I would love to do with my life? And maybe along the way, you'll find steps to making that happen. So pull up a seat. Join us in the conversation. You have a place here. This is the Dago Bites podcast on Amazon Music. Hello, everybody. It's Lauren Daigle. Welcome back to the Daigle Bites podcast. All right, so this person who I had the absolute luxury of speaking with, maybe one of my favorite new friends. I I didn't know him, and by the end of the episode, he felt like a very dear friend. We actually even exchanged cell phone numbers because we were like, let's be buddies. This guest is someone by the name of Kristen Griffith Vanderyacht host of the Netflix show, The Big Flower Fight. Now, the reason why we chose Kristen for this episode is because I've always been interested in television, but I absolutely love the creative process. Kristen is someone who has multiple steps along the way in their journey, okay? They didn't just start off making flowers. The irony is that he actually wanted to be a counselor at one point of his journey. I actually went to LSU to study child and family studies, which is to get a counseling degree, and then ended up in the music industry. So our journeys are very similar in that regard. The thing that I found so compelling about Kristen Griffith Vanderyacht is that I actually left this podcast episode feeling more alive and more excited about the day at hand than when I first began the episode. He literally knows how to breathe creativity and ingenuity, even in his conversation style. It's so riveting, and it's compelling. I hope that you enjoy this amazing episode with my dear friend, Kristen Griffith Vanderyacht. First of all, let me just say I'm really excited about this interview. Oh, thank you. Just as I was like reading through the notes, I felt like my heart was fluttering. I was just like, (laughs) oh, I love your story and I love it so much. For multiple reasons. But one, it is the true story of a creative journey. Um, Yes. Yes. I can tell that you're a creative just based on where things started and where things Mm -hmm. landed. Mm -hmm. I feel very connected to you in that sense because— Oh, thank you. For sure. I I grew up in Louisiana, and I 
I wanted to be a counselor at one point. So I studied mm-hmm. child and family studies and yeah. then I wanted to pursue acting and I wound <laughs> up being a singer. So it's like, what <laughs> in the world? Things were went all over the place. But tell me a bit about your life and your creative journey and the places that you've gone. Has, it's been fascinating from doing Broadway in New York, mm-hmm. then landing in florals. Like how beautiful. <laughs> That's so broad and I, I love it. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, you know, I think that you sort of hit on it yourself when you were reflecting back to your own journey uh, to where you are right now. And the key in all of that is connection, right? You and I were both seeking connection. That's yes. The, that's the main factor, right? Whether you were going to be a counselor or you were going to be a therapist or you were going to be a singer or you were going to be an actor, you were looking for a way to connect with people, connect with people through your work. And that's because we have this insatiable need. Well, I'll speak for myself. I have this insatiable need for attention. <laughs> attention, but not in a bad way, not in a bad way. It's actually very restorative for me. A lot of times attention seekers are uh, painted as these sort of like selfish, obnoxious characters. But I think that human beings naturally are created to connect and how you absorb that connection is through uh, giving and receiving, right? Right now we are giving each other our attention. And that is the greatest gift that we can give to anyone, right? Is our time. And so my creative journey really sort of landed and was centered around this idea of how can I connect with people through my creativity? And then you just sort of figure out which puzzle piece works best for you. And so you try a lot of things out until you find the one that sticks. Um, So that is really the long story of how I sort of figured out the magic sauce that went into uh, discovering flowers. And flowers for me was such a different medium to work with because it actually allowed me the opportunity to step back from my work, take a break, maybe take a nap, go do something else, and then come back to it and say, oh, okay, and you can see it with clear eyes. And I appreciate that because I think that I'm a perfectionist, which I'm actively trying to work against, right? Letting go of uh, trying to be perfect and sort of accepting. And when you work with nature, you have to do it. You have to accept it because honey, you there might be a flower and you're like, I want you to go straight in and the flower's curved and doing its own thing. You said, well, okay, I'm just going to work with it, right? So you, it's a constant reminder wow. and lesson in acceptance and letting go. So it just works for my personality. And then people seem to have liked it. And that was the most surprising thing um, because who the heck knew that flowers were (laughs) going to make people go goo-goo, but I'm here for it. Go for it. If it gets you to where you need to be, I will be that vessel for you any day. I love that so much. I love that you said it is because of connection. That's exactly how I feel. People always say, what is the thing about music? What is it about a song? Mm -hmm. What is it about... And I always say, and it's probably at nauseum at this point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I always say it's because of the story. The mm-hmm. stories of people that come to you, the stories that you receive, it's like, it is mind-blowing some of the things that we get to be a part of, just being these vessels that are consistently 
giving their time and energy to connection. And for me, I, I went into, speaking of therapy, I went into <laughs> speak with my counselor and oh, I was yeah. telling her about all of these just moments on the road or moments in my career and whatever. And she, you know what she said to me? Lauren, you are someone with the highest need of relationability, if that's even a word, mm -hmm. that I've yeah, ever yeah, seen. Yeah, sure. It's a word now. It's a word now. I created it because <laughs> we're creatives. <laughs> I, I literally, she said, I've never met someone that is so desperate for a relational connection mm -hmm. the way that mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. And I can see that in your work. I, watching your show, I just literally sat there and I was like, amazed, just amazed <laughs> at how kind you were. You delivered, you you kept people on their toes, which was interesting <laughs> to me because I was like, oh, I'm all about a good shock factor. And you sat there with people in their vulnerability mm -hmm. to express, this is what I've created. Now I'm being critiqued on something that I love, which is so risky, right? There's mm -hmm. this exchange that happens there where you're like, I'm going to put out a song to the world and mm -hmm. I actually am subject to ridicule. Like in, not just in something I could care less about, but in the thing I might be one, like maybe the most precious about. And here are these people, I just had a refreshment in my mm -hmm. morning. It was just so refreshing. And um, part of that is the kindness that you deliver. I loved uh, the one that I saw this morning was um, Hank and Jan and Hank. Jan, Jan, Jan and Hank. Jan right? and Hank. Jan and Hank. Oh my gosh! It was so stunning. It was the insect, and mm. I sat there and my mind exploded as mm. I watched these different textures and their design. Mm. Like how even within these pieces that are not necessarily moldable, they made them really delicate and tender. Mm -hmm. And there's just something so beautiful. I, theirs was by far my my favorite. No shame on anybody else in the competition, but that, <laughs> I just loved it. It was and, incredible. Um, it was truly incredible. incredible. And, and even more impressive in person. It was like 10 oh, feet tall. Yes. Huge. Huge. It was huge. And you shocked them. And I loved that. <laughs> but it wasn't the shock with an underhanded, like, slap, you know, it was like <laughs> this shock with kindness. And mm. I loved your approach for each contestant, how mm. you never shamed them in the midst of their vulnerability, but you, you brought them up to a higher level. I walked away this morning saying, gosh, I love Kristen's approach. Where were some moments in life where you felt like you had the right coach there? You had someone alongside of you saying, okay, look, maybe try this, or you can do this. Where were some places in life that you had someone deliver kindness to you that really shaped how you became for those people in, in that room? Wow, that is an amazing question that no one has ever asked me before. So thank really? you, because that's so thoughtful. So thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there are, there's a few factors that went into how I wanted to be on the show and how I wanted to judge on the show. Um, and the one thing that I kept telling myself was remember where you came from and remember your own experience. And I'm not a particularly sensitive person, but I am aware of the amount of energy it takes for me to make something. And my thought process of when I'm making something, there's parts of me that are going, Ooh, are they going to like it? 
Ooh, is the client going to like it? Ooh, are the flowers going to last? And there's all these sorts of questions that I have that I'm constantly sort of tweaking and uh, problem solving in the moment. And it's that's one factor. So trying to remember my own journey and be respectful for what they probably went through, right? Because I'm, I don't walk around being like, ooh, ooh, I have arrived. I've made it. I always feel like, okay, I'm still on my way somewhere. I'm on this bus ride of life. So if you look at your work through that lens, it's easier to take the ego out of it because you are still in a collaborative mindset. That's the first thing. Second is I did experience a lot of kindness and a ton of rejection and a ton what a of no's. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Multiple teachers, multiple mm-hmm. teachers, multiple um, adult figures in my life. And I think it had to do with a lot with just me being sort of a weird magical unicorn in a very strange land growing up. I was very rambunctious, loud. I was that kid who was always standing on their desk singing. I Right? Like, I was always <laughs> considered <laughs> the odd man out. And I think that part of what I had always wanted as a child was to have an adult come and take my hand and be like, Kristen, you've got this. You are just fine. Here are some tips to make you shine in an authentic way. And so I I wish I, I had had that. So I was just trying to really give that back to everyone else out there, everyone else that was in the competition. So I was in many ways feeding and healing my own inner child <laughs> yes. in the show. And yeah, and but there were some very kind teachers in my life. I had some really amazing, I had one particularly amazing teacher in high school. Her name was Marsha Sakwa. Um, she was my drama teacher uh, at the Detroit High School for the Fine and Performing Arts. Yes! And, Represent! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> at DSA. And she was incredible. She was incredible. And then, you know, for my senior year, I went to this school called um, Interlock and Arts Academy in Michigan. And I had some amazing teachers but thank you so much. I, I, I'm I so glad that you saw that because I did not want to be a mean teardown judge. I feel like there's so much television out there where it's just built on chaos and drama. Mm-hmm. And in, in a creative environment, I know what I need is for someone to be like, I see what you're doing. Here's extra. Here's yes. something just to like raise the bar, something to think about. Um while also not tearing them down. I think that that never works on anyone. It probably works for TV because people go, and it's a shock factor. But if I want to see the best of the best, if I really want to see the best of the best, you have to create an environment where people can feel comfortable growing. Yes. Oh, I love that so much because (laughs) I tell you, I had some similar situations in my childhood. I'll never forget I was... Uh, I had to take a makeup test because I I was sick, had to come into class and take a test, right? And I think it was like while the other students were doing a reading assignment or something, and the teacher stepped me outside and she said, okay, here, I'm going to sit you right here on the steps and uh, you take the test outside of the classroom. And we had like out an outdoor school, so it was mm-hmm. kind of indoor-outdoor, right? So I'm sitting outside on the steps and... Like I always do. I was singing at the top of my lungs while I was yeah, taking course. the test. Because the acoustics were too good. If Amazing. you were on the steps, the yes. acoustics were probably bomb. Yes. Yeah. And so 
Alan Jackson. Like, I don't even know. Where's, what in the world? Alan Jackson song. And um, I am like guns blazing, singing this song at the top of my lungs. Here we go. Yeah. Put me in Hamilton. Let's roll. <laughs> and I will never forget a student coming out, tapping me on the shoulder and said, hey, Lauren, the teacher wants you to stop singing. I, because of the free spirit nature that just lived inside of me, mm-hmm. I thought that kid had to have been joking. Oh, of course it was a joke. Like the teacher's right. actually amused that I'm singing because this is how I'm made. This is Get the, it for this free. Is what's in, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> no, the kid was not joking and the teacher was very serious. And next comes the teacher and gave me detention for singing <gasps> no. while taking a test. No. And I I look back in that moment and my grades slipped that year. That was the first year mm-hmm. that I ever had my grades plummet. Mm-hmm. And it was the first year I ever dealt with, am I good enough? And all mm-hmm. of those, those questions. And um, that was the third grade. That's like mm-hmm. early for that to be entering into psychology mm-hmm. yeah. of a third grader. But the beautiful redemption of that year was also my music teacher. She came to me and I remember there was this, it was a third grade play and there was one solo opportunity and we didn't do auditions and things like that back in the third grade. The teacher just chose who was going to sing the <laughs> the solo. And it was Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Yes! I know. I yes! know. Good stuff. Yes! Like back in the Shut day. Up. Yes. <laughs> and I sat in that music class and she delivered the news that there was going to be someone who got the solo. And I remember sitting there and thinking like, oh, it's probably going to be Claire because she's mm-hmm. the most theatrical. She's the most like made for this, right? Right. In quotes. And uh, she's the one with the best voice and all the things. And she, the teacher, came up to me after the class and said, hey, I would love for you to sing the solo. And it was the first time I saw someone recognize in me what Mm -hmm. I had been longing for the world to see. Mm -hmm. Like this recognition of a gift or a -hmm. talent or whatever that I didn't actually believe in for myself. Mm -hmm. I just knew there was something there that I would love to explore. But it was the calling upon someone to say, no, 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 I'll give you a place here. All of your wiggles in class, you standing mm-hmm. on the desk, you running around, yeah. getting detention 50 times because I would talk incessantly. Like those people who give you a place to thrive, who don't look at you as like, you're just unruly. There's just a way about you that can't be tamed or whatever. They're like, oh, that fire, we're going to ignite it. We're going to mm-hmm. we're gonna pour even more gasoline on it and let you mm-hmm. thrive. That's what kindness does. That's what I saw um, in, in the episodes. Like you offered kindness and kindness next to encouragement, honestly. Mm, and some is, practical advice. And right? some practical advice yeah. is such a beautiful yeah. way to grow. It's such a healthy way to grow. Well, I think it's, you know, I think it's important that we all sort of are able to find a safe place to exist. Yes. And television for a lot of people is that safe place. They don't, especially during the pandemic when the Mm -hmm. show came out, it was really the only way that we had to connect. And even when I was in London filming the show, like we were on set a lot. 
And I know you know about this. It can yes. feel very isolating. Yes. So that cast and that crew also became my like surrogate family yes. as well. So I really did want them to succeed. And I think you're absolutely right in talking about how having a teacher and having someone, anyone, just recognize your work. Sometimes as creatives, we think about our work affecting mass audiences, big or nothing. Go big or go home, right? Mm-hmm. Big hair, big fun, yes. flat hair, yes. I'm out of here, right? <laughs> yes. So- we think we think we have to make these giant impacts, but actually it's the small steps that have the biggest changes. It's the little small influences that have the biggest impact because yeah. that creates a rippling effect. And hopefully if, if the person who is positively impacted by what you're doing, they can then turn around and give that to someone else, right? And right. so I think that's what's always important to remember. And then it helps you recognize that your voice is unique as well. Your voice is what is unique. No one else can do what you do. And I recognize that no one else can do what I do. All we can do is try to give them the tools so they can find their own voice. So I think that, you know, that's just what's really important about our own creative output. I love that. But what were small steps in your journey that you were like, I, I know if I take this, it might seem minute, but I just feel opportunity in this, or I just feel life in this, or excitement. Where were some of the small steps that allowed you to get from point A to point B? Well, there's one that sticks out to me very, like, vividly. When I was living in New York City, I was going to grad school at Columbia to be a counseling psychologist, like a school counselor. Wow. And I was in grad school, and it was so hard. It was so hard, but also uh, scary. And it was the first time in my life that I actually had free time, which was an interesting concept because I had been working and auditioning and just like on the hustle. And so I started to think, okay, what are some of my other interests? What are my other interests that I want to do? And so I was like, well, I really love flowers. Let me just like send an email to like some of these flower shops, see if anyone's accepting interns, right? And I sent some emails and a few places got back to me and they were like, yeah, we're, we're looking for interns. You want to come sweep the floors, do an internship, an unpaid internship, whatever. I think they paid me in flowers, actually. Like they were like, you can have like $8 in flowers an hour. (laughs) Like it was something like clearly criminal, but I was like, yes, I'll take it. Flowers. (laughs) Yay. Um, But one of the days that I was in the shop, it was like, late. Like we were getting ready to close. I remember it being very dark. I think it was like in winter because it was in New York City. I was very cold. And I was sitting there sweeping, minding my own business. The shop was empty. And this black girl walks by. I see her walk by outside the window. She like looks in casually and she does one of those like things that's in the movie where like they walk by, they look in, they go out of frame and then they back up into it. They're like looking, they're like looking in (laughs) and she's looking at me very like quizzically. And I like smile at her and she comes in and she's like, hold up, hold up. I didn't know that this flower shop was here and B, I didn't know that, like, are you a florist? And I was like, um, I'm maybe, I don't know. Cause I was still like an intern, but I didn't want to be like, no, I'm just like sweeping the floors. Um, yeah. You saw what you were becoming. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I've never seen a black florist before. She said, only florists I've ever seen are like old white ladies, like Martha Stewart. 
no offense, Martha Stewart, you look great. And she was like, and I was just like, oh yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) And she was like, I didn't even know this was in the realm of possibilities for me. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Sometimes you have to see yourself, see a version of yourself in a space where it didn't exist before in order to recognize that that door is open to you. Wow. And that was one of the moments that I was like, wow, visibility is so important, even in small, insignificant ways. Like, it was not glamorous. I was literally sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's wild in those moments, though. I don't know if you ever feel like this. When you're in that sweet spot Mm -hmm. of being right, you know that moment where it's like, I am right where I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. It takes the breath away from each person who gets to be the viewer. Yeah. Like anybody who gets to look in on that experience, it does do exactly what it did to this sweet lady. It stops them in their tracks. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said of that. I remember whenever I wanted to start singing, I went to this little small church and the choir director, you know, he could do all the runs and he had the belting and he, you know, he was all in, right? And he taught me harmonizing. He taught me Mm. all the parts and everything. And I said to him, I really want to sing. I will come and scrub your toilets. Yeah. I will be your maid in exchange for voice lessons. Yeah. And I would literally be on my hands and knees scrubbing his toilets (laughs) as he was at his piano telling me different chords and saying, sing this part. Nope. You didn't do enough vibrato. You know, all of that. (laughs) And I... I grew so much because it was that exact thing. It was seeing myself in the light of where I was going. Mm -hmm. I was already envisioning myself there. I was already saying, come on, girl, this is the sweat equity that will pay in dividends. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what it's about. And the fact that you were already taking the breath away of a passerby who didn't even know that that opportunity existed for herself. Like, what an an amazing moment to be a part of, honestly. And you were sweeping the floor. Humility. Like, it's beautiful. It was wild. Well, I think that for yourself, what I heard in that story and what I also recognized in that young girl, because I think she was maybe like in high school. She was young. Oh, I love Um, that. Oh, I love that so much. What I recognize in both of you is vulnerability. You were both willing to ask, right? Because you could have just been like, ooh, I'm, that guy's too intimidating. I'm just going to stay away. Oh my gosh, let me go back home and like crochet, right? Or she could have said, oh, that's strange. Never seen that before and kept moving. Yep. Right? But yeah. I think that taking a moment to pause and feed yes. your curiosity yes. uh, requires a level of vulnerability that I want everyone to start to have for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like empower yourself to ask the questions, to pursue your interest. And even if it doesn't turn into a career, I promise you that you will have a more satisfying, robust life because you're going to find yourself living authentically. Authentically as yourself. And you'll be a much more well-rounded individual. And that's what I heard from your stories that you really were just being vulnerable. You're like, I ain't got no pride. I just scrub your (laughs) Your laws. Teach me how to do that. Right. And I think that's what's so cool about it. And that's, you know, you put in the hard yards, you put in the sweat Mm -hmm. equity. And also I think that 
What I also heard is that you found yourself someone that you were inspired by. And that is the other secret factor, the key to any sort of creative experience, is you need to surround yourself with the people who make you go, oh, wow. Yeah. You need to surround yourself with those people because they will constantly uplift you. And you, even if you don't feel it, are uplifting Mm -hmm. them as well. It's this really beautiful um, give and take relationship. And so surrounding yourself with really people who just like excite you, excite you is so important. I used to tell people that with songs. Mm -hmm. I heard someone say this once. They said, you know, your songs are simply the seeds, but all the people in the audience were the scatterers. Yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's Oh, that's great. uh, It's like a gorgeous exchange of, okay, I'm going to create this thing. It's actually not the epicenter. We have to work in tandem for this to become something profound. Mm. And there's something so beautiful about that, finding people that inspire you to say, I I am wanting to drink from the well. Like, what is this? And they're saying, oh, actually, I have a lot of water to give. Here, let me me teach you. Like, there's something really amazing about that that I love. Um, Another thing I want to piggyback on that you said is you, you talked about starting with something that you love, starting with something that inspires you, whether it's a person or whether it's a thing, whatever. I yeah. want to read one of your quotes, if that's oh, okay. Oh, no. No, it's awesome. It's really it's good. Always so, it's always so funny when people read my quotes because I always say, did I say that? Did I say I that? I like saying Steve Urkel. Did I do that? <laughs> yes. I you, oh, you have an amazing voice. You say such great and profound things. So why not reflect on oh. It might be a great teacher. (laughs) One thing I loved that you said, there's no rules to creativity. True. And I will never forget, I was in this place called Winthrop, Washington. It's outside of Seattle. It's in the Cascade Mountains. Beautiful. If you ever get a chance to go there, go. It's gorgeous. But one of the first, I guess, classes, if you will, it was like a retreat exercise kind of thing. They talked about the beauty of limitation Mm -hmm. and how limitation is so daunting for a creative Mm -hmm. because they're like, "Uh, don't put boxes around me. But how when you are forced with limitation, you actually have to learn how to work outside and around the box. Mm, Interesting. I know. I was like, what? This is such a juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. But as I've grown as a creative, I understand that premise of like, yeah, if we put these guide rails up, do we actually have to work within them or can Mm -hmm. we work around them? So this is kind of nerd talk, right? But the high, like a lot of cymbal swelling, Uh that's in kind of like a 3K frequency. And I don't know what it is. It makes me almost sick. Like I actually went and got my DNA read and they said that it is a part of my DNA uh, sequence. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, but my last record, we took almost all cymbals off mm-hmm. of the record because I was like, it is Can't so distracting it. to me. Yeah. And it actually makes me like spin, like gives yeah. me the spins. And I look at that now and think, huh, was there some element of a limitation that brought about greater creativity? I say that to say, when you, your quote, there's no rules to creativity. I flourish in that. I flourish in that because I wrestled with this idea of limitation for years since that retreat. I've I've been like, wow, okay, I'm going to adopt that that theology for a bit mm-hmm. and see how that feels. And what I've found is that 
even with limitation, creativity still has no rules. You know, I, that quote really comes from me reflecting on my days as a performer and reflecting on my days um, auditioning. And auditioning in New York City in the theater scene is a very bizarre, I don't know if you've ever done it, but it is a bizarre and stressful and I'm going to frankly say it, awful experience. Process. Because oftentimes, oftentimes you are going in either to replace someone in a show or you're going to audition for a very specific track. And the casting directors and directors, you know, like they're not out to get you. They're just trying to do their jobs with the best of intentions and they want you to succeed. At least that's what they're telling you on the front. Yes. Uh, So that is sort of like their, their angle. But sometimes it comes down to, like, can you fit the costume that was already built, right? Because we spent $40,000 on these costumes. And unless you're a size two and you can't fit in it, we don't care if you're the best singer. We can't take it out. Or we're not going to make it smaller. We're We're not rebuilding these costumes. Like, it can be something as small as that. I've gotten parts where I've replaced someone and I see who I'm replacing. I'm like, oh, my God, you're my twin. And it makes you think, oh my God, did I get this part because we look alike or because yep. I was of actually- my skill. Yeah. Of the skill, right? And so that sort of started to play with my brain because I was like, why is everyone trying to constantly box you in, box you into this like very specific thing when we're all individuals? We're all unique in our own way. And how do you exist in a world and work in a world? And feel satisfied in a world if you're constantly suppressing who you are, suppressing yourself. And so even with Big Flower Fight and where that quote came from, I really wanted people to sort of recognize that like creativity has to allow for improvisation. You have to be given room to improvise. And even when I'm talking to my clients or a bride or a mom or a dad or whoever's giving flowers from me, they're like, they come in with this like dossier of what they want, like all these bullet points. I'm like, that's really cute. Let me just ball that up. Thank you so much for putting all that work in. Let's toss that in the trash because I don't want you to limit yourself. Yeah. Because I can't tell the amount of times that I have gone into an arrangement or gone into a creative experience with a game plan, which I do think is important. I think you should Mm -hmm. never wing it. But that game plan morphed into something better and bigger than what I had originally envisioned. So I want people to take away the shackles of trying to fit within the cube of life and free themselves so they can improvise and through that improv- improvisation, why is that word so hard to say? I know. Improvisation. Tongue, I'm going to get it by the twister. end of this conversation. Improvisation. Yeah. Improvisation. Uh, and through that improvisation, you will actually figure out who you are. Because you cannot figure out who you are unless you're experimenting, right? Unless you are trying things out. So, like, sometimes it's the people who think outside the box, who break the rules, who are the ones who are setting the trends. Yes. Breaking the rules is what helps creatives to grow. And so that's where that comes from. And I hope that I'm so glad to hear that you liked that quote. You know, it's awesome that the journey that you've been able to go on has expanded. And this is what 
art does. This is what breaking mm-hmm. the rules does when it comes to art. Uh, it expands the landscape for the generation coming up after mm-hmm. you. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Another quote that you said, speaking of breaking the rules, which I love, <laughs> choose colors that make you excited, colors that make you smile. If you start there, you will always be happy with the end result because you've started with something you love. Next, buy a lot of them. When it comes to flowers, more is more. And <laughs> I, I so appreciate that because I feel like that's a quote that ties into kind of all areas of life. <laughs> you know, if you start with love, it's mm-hmm. amazing that at the end of it, you'll probably still end up feeling joy or feeling some sense of satisfaction or some sense of even gratitude at the end of it, if you start with love. And I, I've i worked with flowers before and um, I love, I saw that your mother was a gardener. Is that correct? She had, well, it's, it's sort of like, yes, I would say she was a gardener, but I don't think that she was as obsessive mm-hmm. about it as I am. <laughs> yes. I would say that she was probably, I'm going to call her a gateway gardener. That's right. She, <laughs> she ushered me. <laughs> I love, that would be my the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. She's a gateway gardener. So she's the one who sort of like opened my eyes yes. to the joy of flowers for sure. Yes. I, okay. I feel so connected. Once again, my grandmother <laughs> was a master gardener. She worked with mm-hmm. roses. So yeah. Acres and acres of roses. Wow. And yeah, just beautiful. She lived in horticulture land. She worked at LSU with all the gardens there. And my grandfather was a lily gardener and loved lilies. So they they kind of specialized in two areas. Mm -hmm. But my mom, every time that I come home, she always picks fresh flowers from the garden and makes an arrangement mm-hmm. uh, and puts it next to my bed or something. Any oh, guest. that's so nice. I know, I know. That's so thoughtful. Oh my it's gosh. It's so beautiful. Any guest that comes into the house, she, my mom always has fresh flowers, always. I love and that. I find these like amazing moments to go out in the garden and say, okay, I'm going to arrange this this way or I'm going to shape this this way. Fingers crossed it works. Other times it's like <laughs> height variations, you know, and you're, yeah. it's like what you said, you can't be perfect with it. You're, you're just exploring what mm-hmm. the earth is giving us to work with, right? Yeah. Like w- what are the oddities that will actually make this so unique? And I just can never get over even removing perfection. Mm-hmm. There is something so beautiful about the sentiment that that flowers carry for me specifically. Oh my gosh, you are hitting it. Okay, so I say this all the time. So there's two things, right? Okay, so the first thing is, speaking of therapists, you saw your counselor. I love my therapist as well. And if anyone that's listening out there is not in therapy, just go do it. Even if you're you're not in crisis, just do it because it's nice to have someone to talk to to. that you can talk at. It's just wonderful. But (laughs) my therapist is always telling me, you know, Kristen, you, your goal is learning how to receive acceptance, like learning mm-hmm. acceptance over thing and over life and not trying to be a perfectionist. And I said earlier, flowers help me to uh, help me on that journey to just like sort of accept what's happening and work with what you're given. So now the second part of the sentiment, this is major. And this is why I think everyone connects with flowers and why flowers and nature are so healing, but specifically Mm. flowers. Flowers have built-in nostalgia. Yes. I'm going to say it again. Flowers have built-in 
nostalgia. Because you just said it. Every time you see flowers, it reminds you of your mom who puts flowers by your bed every time you go see it. What does home do for you? Home is a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? When you're home, you feel safe. You're reminded of the happier moments of your childhood. At least I hope you are. And so it has this built-in nostalgia for every birthday party, for every quinceanera, for every bat mitzvah, for every wedding, for every proposal, for every baby shower, for baby delivery, for everything, right? There are flowers in the background. Making that day special. Yes. And I guarantee you, if you work in an office and you see a delivery man come in that door with a bundle of flowers, your neck is creaming yes. over your desk. Like you're peeking. Who's that for? And, and you're, exactly. You're like, is that for me? Ooh, yeah. What day is it? Is it my birthday? What special day is that for me? For me? Yeah. Right? Because we get excited because there's all this joy that is automatically expressed through the flowers. It's all this nostalgia that's built in, all the happiest moments of your life, I promise you. If you think about it, there were flowers somewhere in the background making it even more special. So you're absolutely right with the sentiment. I say it all the time. And that's why flowers are magical because they carry history with them. Happy history. Yes. They're time pieces. They're literal literal time pieces. Mm -hmm. Look, I could talk to you genuinely all day. We didn't even touch Julianne Hoff. What do you want to know? You did all of the arrangements for her wedding, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What is that process like? How do you dive into something that strategic and that big? Mm-hmm. I feel like I would start, like, I don't know where the starting point would even be to mm-hmm. undertake something that was on the cover of People magazine. You know, like, how do you yeah. take on those kind of things? And was it actually... Was the process actually joyful or did it feel like strenuous? It was absolutely one of the most fulfilling experiences uh, of my professional career. I love Um, that. But Julianne Huff was truly a dream client. And this is why. Um, Sometimes when I'm working with very big celebrities, they are scared to trust. Because I think you know this too. Julianne, from the moment that I met her, she immediately was like, you got it. Yeah. She trusted her own instincts and she trusted the vibe between us and she trusted my work. So she was a dream client and she was incredibly easy to work with and it was a satisfying, amazing experience. It was also difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was a traveling wedding. I Sometimes I travel for work where I do a destination wedding. And so I was not in my studio. I was not in a place. We did this all out of a garage of an Airbnb. Yep. And that was really insane because it was July and it was a hundred and like four degrees when we were doing it. Whoa. It was like a hundred and four degrees. So you're having to keep those flowers alive too. Huh? Me. When I tell you we had to rent a cooler van, a refrigerated van, just to put all the flowers in. Yeah. It was... Bonanza. It was yeah. so, and there were like over 300 arrangements that we made for this wedding. Whoa. It was a huge, huge, huge crew. And she was just like so incredible. Truly, Julianne was bomb.com. And that's not just me, because you know, sometimes people are like, I'm, all my celebrities are great. Mm. Yeah. No, legitimately, she yeah. was fantastic. And if she wasn't, I'd say no comment. Yep. You know <laughs> that's what? That's how you'd know. That's, oh, it was, um, I'll talk about it later. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Bye. And, yeah <laughs> oh, you know what? Look over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is the beauty of surrender 
It's yeah. the beauty of improvisation, our favorite yeah. word of yes. the day. And you and- said it so good too. Oh <laughs> gosh, so jelly. No, I was... I- there are so many times where I get tongue twisters and I just look at them and I say, I'm going to say it 20 times. Okay? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> you are such a delight. I You are too. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Kristen, where can people find you? Yes, like socials you and can, all that. Yeah, for sure. You can uh, find me on the Instagrams uh, at at. Kristen, G-V-Y, that's K-R-I-S-T-E-N, G as in girl, V as in Valentino, Y as in yes, please. (laughs) I love you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll see you when I go to Seattle. And if you're ever in Nashville or New Orleans, you let me know. Yes, I will. I definitely (laughs) will. Bring the kids. It'll be fun. That'll be so much fun. Bye, darling. Daigle Bites is an Amazon Music podcast hosted by me, Lauren Daigle, and produced by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. For more inspirational advice from New Orleans to Nashville, be sure to follow us here and listen to every episode on Amazon Music. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Enhance your listening experience with Wondery Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.